It's before Paul early. And this is the pre-W Smith show on 760 WJR. Here is Jeff Sloan. All right, welcome to the pre-W Smith show. This morning, we've got an important subject to cover, and that is the subject of creativity. That thing that really distinguishes one person or one business or one idea from another because it's tied to out-of-the-box thinking. It's not the same old, same old. It's a new way to look at something, a new way to do something. Whatever it may be, it's rooted in this idea of being creative. How do you do it? How do you do it best? Well, to help break it all down for us, we've got part one this morning of a two-part interview we did with Josh Linkner, the guru of creativity. He describes himself as a creative troublemaker, in fact. Now, he's a five-time tech entrepreneur, New York Times best-selling author, and the number one most booked innovation keynote speaker. Most of all, he loves greasy pizza. And for that and his expertise, we love him. We've got the first part of that two-part interview with Josh right now. Josh, so we've been kind of predisposed to thinking that, you know, we're kind of born with the brain we have. It's kind of fixed. Whatever level of creativity we're God-given, that's it. But, oh, no, that's not the case, is it, Josh? You know, it's not at all, which is really exciting news for us. Uh, there's a lot of research recently around neuroplasticity, which simply means that the brain can adapt. It's not fixed as you are at birth. And that same principle applies to our ability to be creative. You know, we often think that one of, out of a thousand of us are born creative and the rest of us have to suffer. But the truth is, in the same way that our brains can expand, our creativity can expand. And Jeff, I like to say that your creativity is much more like your weight than your height. You and I have known each other for decades, and you'll know that on a good day, I'm 5'5 five, five at best. My height's not going to change, try as I might. But, but my creativity <laughs> is more like my weight. I can control it. Like your weight you can control by exercise and diet and such. That's exactly how your creativity is. It's a skill that can be learned, cultivated, and developed. Well, first, I need your tips on how to control it. But that's a, that's a subject matter for another day, that being controlled, one's weight, that is. But, Josh, here's the thing. Creativity is this kind of amorphous thing. You know, what is it? I mean, what, what is the essence of creativity and of being creative? What does that really mean in practical terms? Yeah, well, it's a great question because oh, there's a lot of misconceptions on it. You know, we think that creativity looks like painting or something that would show up right. in a museum or right. a piece of music. Write a song. But creativity yeah. really, yeah. Write, right, do a dance, you know, yep. interpret a, yep. do a poet, a poem. But, but creativity actually can be much, much more, more uh, wide-reaching and applies to us all. You can be creative if you're a sales professional on how you close a deal or if you're in finance, not to, to cook the books, of course, but how to interpret data and, and reports and make smart decisions. So my belief is that there's creativity in, in every box on the org chart and in every family situation and community. And that here's the good news. The research is crystal clear that all human beings, and I mean all, are born creative. We're hardwired to be creative. That's our natural state. And so if we can develop that, you know, it really becomes a, a superpower for us all in, in driving the outcomes that we seek. So to answer your question directly, I think the creativity is simply the willingness to imagine something that doesn't currently exist. So if I said to you, hey, um, can you imagine a car with polka dots? Well, I just came up with that idea. That didn't exist. That is creative. Now, it didn't have intrinsic value because that was just a goofy idea. But if someone can think of a car with polka dots, you can be creative. Yeah. And in practical terms, even down to, you know, let's just say I'm a researcher or an analyst. Not a lot of room, seemingly on the surface of it, to quote unquote, be creative. But in fact, you know, there's an opportunity to apply creativity if you can learn how to harness it and how to approach it and not to put pressure on yourself, but actually to do the opposite, let your mind open up a bit, right? 
You can actually be creative even in the most, quote-unquote, yet while being important, mundane kinds of activities. Yeah, there, there's no question about it. And, um, you know, so you taking that example, you know, a researcher might use creativity to find different sources for research. They might run an experiment in a different way. An analyst might be able to look at, at three or four disparate uh, co- concepts and, and, and find the nuances and, and connection points between them. So there really is creativity. It, again, it doesn't have to look like a, a piece of, of art that's in a museum. And so another way to say it, Jeff, is if you swap out the word creativity, which is kind of loaded, with the word inventive thinking or creative problem solving. You know, I know many people say, oh, gee, I'm not creative because I don't do ballet, but I'm a great creative problem solver. And of course, my conclusion is they are absolutely creative. Hmm. Yeah, just kind of thinking outside the box, right? Just doing it your way, not being boxed in by norms. Of course, you know, conventional wisdom and paradigms that have been proven over time to really be effective in whatever or however you may apply them are part and parcel of whatever we do in our given day from our everyday lives to business, whatever it may be. But being able to, you know, not necessarily, if you will, follow the rules is also one of the hallmarks of, you know, opening yourself up to giving yourself the opportunity to be creative, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And by the way, it doesn't mean using bad judgment. It doesn't mean, you know, drawing on the walls of purple crayons. You're going to still apply it with good judgment, but it really becomes very powerful. And I'll suggest to you that, you know, maybe in the past we could put our heads down and just do what we're told. But but the world today, we're living in a world of massive volatility and change and ambiguity. And, 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 and we just don't have the luxury of only following the operating manual to success. There is no such operating manual. So now it's incumbent on all of us. That, that becomes the competitive advantage in this modern era of, of life. I'll just show something really quickly from, from my most recent book. There was a study done by Forbes and MIT, and they had a hypothesis that companies that were perceived to be innovative were valued more. Companies that were perceived not to be were valued less. So they crunched all this public market data. They did all this huge project. And basically what they determined is there is an innovation premium or a tax. And the quickest, the easiest example is General Motors and Tesla. GM, by all objective measures, should be worth more four times the revenue, four times the profit, global distribution, more car lines, blah, blah, blah. But, but they're not. They're, they're, they're worth about one-twelfth that of, of Tesla. So what's happening is that GM is suffering an innovation tax. Tesla is enjoying an innovation premium. Now, I know not everyone listening runs a public company, but here's the crucial point. That same principle applies to us all. If you're a salesperson trying to close a deal and it's a close call, the customer is going to go with the one that's perceived to be more innovative. If you're trying to get a job promotion and, and it's a close call, the, the person who's perceived to be more innovative is likely to enjoy a better result. So I think it, it, we have to ask ourselves in these competitive modern times where most advantages have now become automated and outsourced and commoditized, how do we win? We win by cultivating creativity. We win by boosting our innovation premium. Wow. Yeah. And I think uh, part of the reason value inures to more creative companies, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is because they seem to be more forward thinking. People are placing value on what the future may hold as a direct result of the creative thinking the company's demonstrating today, instead of doing things the same old, same old way, and maybe appearing, whether fair or not, to be a little stale in the way you go about your business, right? You hit it right on that. It's beautifully said that, you know, that, that creativity, your ability to, to so it's, it's an indicator of how successful you'll be in the future. And you know, the thing is that if we lived in a vacuum, great, you know, do things the way they've always been done. But today we live in a rate of change like none other in history. So I don't think, again, we have the luxury of doing that. I think well, our job, our core responsibility of leaders is to constantly be in a state of reinvention and also be, be able to cultivate the creativity of those around us. Okay, great ideas, 
new ways of thinking, innovation and invention, solving problems and overcoming challenges all stem from our ability to be creative. And we appreciate Josh Linkner for joining us today. He's the guru on creativity. Today, we had part one of our two-part interview with Josh. And remember to tune in tomorrow morning to hear part two of our interview in which Josh will offer tips on how you can become more creative. All right, we're headed out to a break. We'll be right back on the Pre-W Smith Show.